0: Hello, I'm Daniel. I host this podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a Buddhist meditation teacher in Kansas City. These teachings will always be given free of charge, but if you feel compelled to make a donation, there's a link in the show notes. Thank you for listening and have a good day. I'm Daniel, and I am going to talk to you today about sort of introducing this path, sort of explaining what we're doing, why we're doing it, maybe telling a little story and seeing where it goes. So that's the point today. So what we're talking about is Chan Buddhism, Chan Buddhism, and... Sometimes this can be called the meditation school of Buddhism. Chan Chan means meditation. Uh, I like to think of it as the path of attention. The path of attention. So what do I mean by that? I mean, we want to learn how to pay attention and to see the world clearly as it really is. Because the truth is, a lot of the time... We don't see the world clearly. I sort of like to say we're living in a daydream. That is, we bring our emotional baggage into every situation. We put labels on everything. We create these labels and put everything in neat little boxes and then act like that's real and that's not something we're creating. So what we're trying to do is uh, have some clarity in life, cleanse our perception so we see things as they are instead of sort of seeing them as we are sort of seeing them as we are. So this is a story. Hui Nang is a famous Chan master from history, and he is called the Sixth Patriarch. And I'm not crazy about the word patriarch, but the point is that there were five. Before him, there were five Chan masters in China. He's the sixth one, and he's the one that sort of made it a big deal. He's really credited with a lot of the success of the Chan tradition, okay? And he's the star of this story. And in this story... He's the master, he's already a master and he's approaching this temple and he sees these two monks arguing. He sees these two monks arguing. and he gets a little closer because he's wondering what they're arguing about and they're pointing at a flag. They're pointing at a flag. In, the, in those days temples had flags and the flag would be raised when there's a teaching. But maybe you need to know that maybe you don't. but the point is the flag is raised and Hui is going to give a teaching. So it's sort of symbolic of that. Hui is going to give a teaching, and the flag is raised. So, but anyway, temples would raise the flag, and that's when you know, oh, a teaching's happening. There's a teacher here. I want to go in and hear the teaching, right? So, anyway, this flag is raised, and these two monks are pointing at it and arguing. And one monk says, the flag is waving. The flag is moving, actually. The flag is moving. This flag, it's rippling in the wind. It's waving, okay? And... The other monk says, oh no, you're wrong. It's the wind that's moving. It's the wind that's moving. You're just seeing the effect of the wind on the flag. The flag's not really moving, right? And so what, what what's happening here? I think these two monks are both trying to feel smart. They're both trying to feel smart. So the one monk is just saying what, it's the simplest way to explain what's happening. A flag is moving, right? And the other monk is trying to just sound smart and feel smarter than the other than the first monk. So he says, no, no, it's the wind that's moving. And if you've ever like seen people debate philosophy, you've seen that kind of thing. It's sort of a look how smart I am, right? And it's pretty obnoxious. But anyway, Queen Ang sees these guys arguing and he approaches and he says, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. It's your minds that are moving. It's your minds that are moving. How are their minds moving? Their minds are moving because they're obsessed with thinking about this question. Is the flag moving? Is the wind moving? And in that way, their minds are moving. And it's just an exercise in absurd debates. And Queen Ang, when he comes up and he shuts them down with this, no, your minds are moving. They have nothing more to say. And they drop it. They drop it. So that is sort of what we do in life. We try to put things in the category of the flag is moving, the mind is moving. And we become obsessed with these categories sometimes, and they steal our joy. It doesn't help us any. So what we're trying to learn how to do is see the world as it is. See the world as it really is. And ourselves as we really are. The world is impermanent. Things are always changing. There's nothing you can really hold on to. And we're connected to everything around us. We have in in Buddhism we call it Buddha nature. And I know some people might struggle with that kind of term, but it just means we're interconnected. We're connected to everything. I'm not separate from you. And nor am I separate from this microphone or this computer. Not nothing is separate. We're all connected. And Maybe more on that later. But the point is, we're trying to see through the delusion of separation, but we're trying to see through all our delusions. I've heard it said that as we get further on this path, as we get to a certain point on the meditative path, we can no longer lie to ourselves, or at least no longer lie to ourselves as sincerely as we did before. And we do lie to ourselves a lot. We tend to say things like, I can't handle this, or... I'm not good enough for this or or the opposite, I'm better than those other people. I'm better than those other people. So it's said that we have what is sometimes referred to as two selves. I sort of, I wrestle with that because I think calling anything a self is maybe wrong, but what are the two selves? They're the, the small self, which I call I, me, mine. It's our self that is sort of obsessed with ourself and then the other nature is called our buddha self or our true self and that is just recognizing that we're part of a connected whole and we don't need to carry around all the shit we're carrying a lot of the shit we can put down and we can learn how to see things as they are and see ourselves as part of a connected whole and have a kind of mindfulness and a kind of compassion for others that we sort of are having a difficult time cultivating right now. We can, we can unleash that potential. So that's the true self. We want to learn how to see clearly so that we can see ourselves as we really are and then also see everything else as it really is. That I, me, mine, mind puts everything in packages, labels the world and pretends the labels are real. And the Buddha self, the true self sees the interdependence, the connection of all things. It's our delusion. (coughs) It's our delusion that causes us to suffer, causes us to struggle with accepting the way things are, but we can turn the mind inward. We can turn the mind inward and learn how to see things as they really are. Um, George Harrison from the Beatles said, you're so far out, the way out is in. And he was talking about meditation practice. So that's worth bringing up, I think. You're so far out, out, the way out is in. I've seen a meme that said, peace doesn't mean to find a place where there's no trouble, no struggle, and no hard work. It means to be in those things and remain calm and I think that's that's really true. Life is a struggle. Um, people say, the Buddha said life is dukkha and people usually translate that to mean life is suffering and I don't really like that because that makes it sound like we're in hell. It makes it sound like we're on fire or something. Life is suffering. So I like to instead use an analogy and say life is like a shopping cart where one of the wheels is just a little bit fucked up. And because that wheel is just a little bit fucked up, you know, we're, we're shopping, we got our cart, it seems normal, we start to go, bump, bump. And then it's normal for a little bit longer, and then bump, bump, again. I like that analogy because I think that's a more accurate description of life. And sometimes in life, it seems like all the wheels are fucked up. And sometimes it seems like one wheel is just a tiny little bit fucked up once in a while. But most of the time, it's okay and that's how i interpret the what's called the first noble truth in buddhism that life is dukkha or life is people say life is suffering so uh, our delusion is what causes a lot of our wheels to be out of out of kilter and when we clarify that delusion we make things better for ourselves and others so the purpose of chan training is to clarify our vision so that we learn how to see clearly so that we can have some insight into our true identities, our Buddha nature. Why are we talking about our true identities? I think when we really think about it, I want you to think about how can I describe myself without making any reference to other people, or to any labels I put on myself. And the truth is, that's really hard to do. So a famous Buddhist teacher said, actually, this is the teaching of Bodhidharma, who brought Buddhism from India to China. He said, rid the mind of egotism, free it of defi- defiling thoughts. That's what we're talking about. Rid the mind of egotism, free it of defiling thoughts. Put down our delusion let go of the I, me, mine. The truth is that the path is right here and you're already on it. And following it will lead to some measure of contentment. And that's what we're looking for, contentment. So um, that's it for right now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this talk. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.